It's called Let's Keep the Flames of Hope Alive. Never let the fires die. Let's keep the flames of hope alive. And never let the fires die. Take the lie of the lie. Hi, and welcome to the finale of Season 2 of Never Let the Fires Die, the Alarm Podcast. It's December and we're going to play out the year with a long-form interview with Mike Peters. Interspersed in the interview are a few things we've done over the past couple months. A discussion Jeff and I had about the Alarm Show at the Roxy here in Los Angeles. Some discussion with Alarm fans about Mike playing in San Francisco with Nigel Twist. And a few other little surprises. And I hope you enjoy it. Here is the finale of Season 2 of Never Let the Fires Die, the Alarm Podcast. So, how's it going? It's going great, yeah. Nice to be home, uh, back in Wales after a year of a lot of travelling and a lot of concerts and uh, events and uh, radio and TV. Feels like every day this year (laughs) I've... uh, picked up the guitar and done something meaningful with it and my voice. <laughs> how is that so, different than years before? I mean, how does how does 2018 feel compared to 2015, 2016, 2017? There's a lot more um, interaction with the music industry at large this last year than we've had in the previous years where I think we'd, we'd uh, built things up where our main focus was, was purely within the alarm community and not within the outside, you know, not expressed to the outside world. We didn't interact with the press and the media in any uh, big way. Yeah, we just a focused. Bit, a tiny bit, right? But not yeah. like you would want, necessarily. Yeah, it was It was just, it was more, we'd, we'd interact with the media to promote a concert, or, you know, there was a lot of interest in our personal life, and myself and Jules, principally, with all the... The stories and, and a lot with love hope strength but i think musically and the band we we stayed outside of the central body of, that is the music industry uh we stopped submitting records for review around 2010 and uh, we came to now, that why period. did you do that what was your well thing? i yeah i just felt that uh, that they were losing their voice and i thought you could put you could expend a lot of energy in that direction and not get anything back. Yeah. And, and you can really push a lot out there and it comes back in, in, in a way that doesn't help you in mentally or enhance what you're trying to do. It's serving music to people who don't understand where we're coming from, who are losing touch. They were more out of touch than we were, I felt. And, uh, <laughs> Probably, yeah. You know, I just felt they didn't quite understand the ethos of being able to make records for yourself or for your fans or records that sometimes when the main thrust of your career were just um, a stepping stone towards something else. So I didn't right, feel like... Not, not everything was the big statement. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know. look, at we spent the early part of this decade, the first four or five, well, first six years, really, celebrating Alarm 30th anniversaries of, in, you know, from the... The, the anniversary of the first gig or the, the first American tour, then it was the EP and um, the stand and the singles. And then then, it, then you came to 
something momentous like declaration and then strength and then spirit of 86. So I felt that they were um, periods of time that to be celebrated within rather than um, sending those records out into the wide world trying to get airplay or anything like that. Just keep it simple, tell the story uh, and how and show how things have developed. And, and, and then I think all that went into the Blood Red Viral Black project that gave birth to Equals. And then I felt we were making that step forward as a band, as artists, as musicians, as songwriters, singers, and everything that goes with making a new album. And it was time to press the button again and see what, if the world felt in line with what we were doing and, and we'd be interested. And, and that's what's happened. You know, it's been so much interest. And I think it's because we stepped away and we developed in in our own space. And then when people were coming in to look, they were thinking, wow, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, this is, I, I think this you is, have This is point. not what I expected. <laughs> now, did you, when you were re-recording, uh, when you were doing your reinterpretations of Declaration and Strength, it feels like they were laying the groundwork for Blood Red Viral Black equals, it's at least sonically and, and maybe yeah, even I song structure-wise. I think so. In, 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 I think it allowed and created a, a, an atmosphere of being able to take risks musically. Because when, when you're messing with history and, and you're messing with some very iconic songs that, to the, that as they represented it within the alarm community, it's uh, it could be a, a very uh, challenging place to go to. Oh, it was very challenging, right, for both you and the audience, because you really were playing, like you said, to the group, to the existing audience. Yeah, and I think, you know, we took a lot of risk with some of the rewriting of 68 Guns and the way we revisited some of those songs and D-Side. And, and you, you, it's, there's an element of playing with fire. And, and yeah, especially you, not, D-Side. <laughs> yeah, and you don't know which way it's going to go. And, uh, and you know, there was uh, some pushback to some of that. But I always thought, well, you've got the originals, so what's wrong? they're never going to go away and we're not going to wipe those tapes or whatever. I think I've shown over the years that you know we, we're going to come back to the original way they were played as well. This is all part of a, a steep learning curve that has benefits on the other side. And I think the benefit has been the way the band sets up on stage now and the way we made equals. Um, and a lot of that wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been able to reconstruct declaration of strength and rethink about myself as a musician and a performer and how I want to take to the stage and make records and. And uh, and and it, I think it um, reinforced the idea that I could still challenge myself, challenge the audience, challenge the uh, the perception of what the alarm is, not just with the history of the band, but with the future as well. Yeah, definitely. Now, when you were doing your your solo work back in the late '90s, you kind of took a a, a left turn to start the alarm again, right? Yeah. Um, in some ways. It feels like the last few years have been a little bit of a return to some of that solo work that you were doing. I take, I, I get that. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think when the the solo period uh, I, in the nineties, I could be quite adventurous and go into places that you couldn't go with a band with with, with a democ- democratic type of arrangement in a band. Whereas um, I could lead from the front in the nineties, and, and then. When when the alarm reconvened, you know it was it was originally a, a vehicle for the original members to get behind, and that's how it started with right. conversations with with Eddie when I met him through Color Sound and working with Billy Duffy, and and then 
we played the shows with Big Country and 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 Nigel and Dave actively didn't want to be a part of it at that point. They they were happy for Eddie and I to go ahead. And then Eddie bowed out after um, you know, about eight shows and, and felt more comfortable in the life he'd built up outside the alarm than the one that was calling to the alarm for the, the new decade and new millennium. So then I was able to sort of go forward. To go forward, sometimes, you know, you have to go two steps back. And so I think I immersed myself in that original alarm music for the beginning of that decade. And that, that took us into the poppy fields and under attack and direct action and guerrilla tactics. And, and then, again, I think the decade turned and, and to sort of look back at the history of the band again was calling and, and that has invigorated what we do now. And, uh, and, and now I feel I can step outside of the perception of the alarm, you know, the, the walls that get built up around what the alarm can and can't do. You know, that, that happens all the time. And, you know, our ethic as a band has always been to tear those down. That goes right back to unsafe building one step close to home. As soon as a, a wall is erected around the creativity of the band, it's our job to smash it down and start all over again. And that's what I think I've done consciously and subconsciously in the last few years. Let's talk about Equals a little bit because it's certainly sonically a triumph. I mean, the production is amazing. You know, hats off to George Williams, the producer. It's the first time I'd worked with a, a producer in that sense since the alarm, since the 80s. Everything else after that, I pretty much been a co-producer of or the sole producer whereas with George his big thing was Mike I want to produce you not 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 just to uh, back you up or, or to um, ratify decisions and that you want to make uh, my job I want to really push you from outside and I, and I really welcome that and 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 George is, knows the history of the band he knows where we, we come from he knows who I am and, and what I'm all about and uh, and he didn't want me just to settle for something that was good or great. He wanted to go beyond that. He wanted it to be outstanding. To, yeah, it is um, outstanding. Does he? It, um, what did he produce for you before these records? Well, he produced Under Attack, and, okay. uh, and he and he produced the Children of the Revolution album. <laughs> <laughs>
and, 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 and I think when I first met George, it was at the start of the era where recording music in the computers had really come of age. And there was that, it wasn't just a digital environment anymore. It was an analog area as well. And, and, and we were making records through the, the mixing desks, through the tape heads, into the computer. And then you had the flexibility to realize what you were trying to achieve, which is, it's a little bit like making a letter when you're writing a letter to somebody or an email that's very important to you in this day and age rewriting it to get what you really want to say is quite easy because you can cut and paste you can move letters and words around on the paragraphs and start move a sentence to the beginning rather than at the end and and then you get to the core of what you're trying to say and i think this it's the same applies musically and, and we met george right at the start when those options became available and George was the first person that I saw that he radically made the song My Town under, under attack. different and so much better than the way it was originally conceived when when we started playing it to him in the in the live room at the doghouse studios in henley and and the way the song starts with the big power drums and the, the power chords coming in that was really just the middle section it only happened for a few seconds but george was saying look that's the beginning that that's that's the whole concept of the track it has to start with that and 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 uh, he took our backing track and cut it up and, and rearranged it in front of our eyes, and, and it was um, incredible to see. That's fair. That was um, on the that was on like Pro Tools or something. That's right. Yeah, it was using Pro Tools and, and moving verses around, and and uh, and you know bringing the third verse to be the first verse, which is what he was ostensibly doing, rather than hours rehearsing it and trying to get to know it in a human way. Uh, George was able to show us on the computer. Then we could go back in and and record it properly how it was. You know, with the the um, the fact that we we were able to grasp the concept where we, where we were trying to get to, he took us there, showed us what we what, what where we were going, and then we could aim for it as musicians working together on the studio floor. And um, and and I I thought it was incredible. And uh, some of the band at the time thought that was alien and uh, was was um, you know not the way to go. And and it was making the records. And not sound as uh, human or organic as as they should be, uh, but I, I thought it was incredible. It was a real way to sort of realise your ambition as a songwriter and as a musician, and uh, and so I, I always uh, wanted to work with George. And the time came really with this record when we were able to really reconnect and uh, and and, uh, and work together in the way that suited George's ambition as well as mine. 
It comes out in the record. The question would be, is there an equals two in them, in the offing somewhere? Uh, sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, wait till the birthday of, uh, of wait till equals is one year old exactly, and then let's see what happens. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it's not like you need to throw more music out there right now anyway. No, but, but you know, there's, we have got something fairly ready to go, to be quite honest. That was always been the plan was, you know, because there was so much music created with Blood Red Viral Black and, and Equals raised uh, one element of and one sort of viewpoint of um, the shared experience of those two records and honed it down into a, you know, a fine collection of songs and, and I think there's another set there and uh, we've already recorded some extra music and uh, and some songs to um, make it feel like a, a brother-sister element and um, that will come out around the time of the summer so um, any chance Armageddon in the morning shows up on this record? you could well do <laughs> <laughs> And you could not stop it We fight for land and not for peace To give away and not for profit Is this a way of life or not? Either way it's all that we've got My eyes stole my inner Favorite Mike Peter song. Yeah, um, I, look, it, it, I think the second record pushes the barriers a little bit more than Equals does, and and there's some new music on there that people haven't heard at all, uh, and and some of the music that we've carried forward from Blood Red Viral Black, and uh, it, it'll be worth the you know where there was a it was talk of us putting it out earlier, uh, it, it, almost that during the second wave of the American tour in the in the in the winter in October November. But Equals has just been one of those records that just keeps going and people are getting hold of it every day, fi finding it, discovering it, telling their friends. And, and it just seemed um, that there was no need to sort of drop another record in and, and muddy the waters and, and, and um, take the focus away from, from a record that's done 
you know, so much for the band and the credibility of the group and, and the, the, the critical reaction to it has been, uh, has been, well, you know, we're, we're not used to it, let's be honest. <laughs> we, we, we've never had good reviews in, in some of the places we've been uh, with this record. So it, it's changed the horizon for uh, for the band. And, and you know, the, even the, the reissues we did earlier in the year of Eponymous and Declaration have, have added to the world's vision of what the alarm is all about. And, and we've been able to... Um, Change that perception uh, to a, a large degree, and well, there's they, a lot of I mean, those now. even just just the look of those records, you know, it's simple, the simple it changes is. you made, but really effective. Well, I think it, it made a lot of people because they we've given them timeless covers. They're just black and white, the classic photographs of the band at the time. Not too many other element that timestamp it into a certain era. They could be from the '60s or the t- 2060. Those record covers, and uh, and I think that's what's um, again made a lot of people think. Well, I, the Alarm was a band that passed me by. I only saw it on top of the pops with big hair or on American Bandstand and MTV. And there was something about their look that stopped me checking them out. Or I was more into other bands at the time, like The Clash, or I was more into U2 or Violent Femmes. And we were the band that never graced their turntables. But but I think that the, the record sleeves and the, and the timelessness of the photographs and, and the story that's told within the sleeve notes and the music, the way it's played, I think it's it's stopped a lot of people in their tracks that well, I need to um, give this band another look. I need to look at it again and see what what I've missed or what everyone else got that I didn't. And and that's again what's happened. And it's uh, it's turned things around. And and there's a lot of people out there who have got respect for the Alarms early records who didn't necessarily have it before. Well, there's no and, you know it used to be that there was in the '80s very different than now. I think. You know, you really did sort of align yourself to a particular band or sound or something in a way that feels kind of quaint now, like something you would never do. Like, like people don't necessarily have the same prejudices that they had in the past. Yeah, I, th- I think, I, I th- you know, I'm really proud that the alarm have followed a path. You know, yes, we've had to survive a lot of changes and, and people have come and gone and, and the records have moved up and down and, and, and in and out. And But, but there's been a, there's a line that runs right as a bloodline through the alarm that goes right back to the beginning. And, and it's still there to this very day. And, um, and this, you know, the value of the band has been upheld. Um, you know, and it, you know, you can argue for or against that, but it, it, I don't, I think you can't really deny it when you see the, the, the goodwill that is coming to, uh, towards the band at this time, that the respect that's being given to the band outside of, our own fractious community at right. times where we fight over the small things. Oh, you know, so-and-so's not there, you know, well, but it's not, it, ultimately it's about the music and the songs and the lyrics and they've stuck and stayed very true. And you, you can cut through any lyric of the alarm and it bleeds the same color blood. And that, yeah. And I mean, there are songs on equals that production aside could be songs from declaration. Right. Well, I think I think when when I did the um, uh, National Album Day events at Par Street Studios and played those two albums back to back, that it's so obviously they're 
brother and sister. They yeah. sit together. They sit together without a doubt on this tour. I'm really proud. We went out night after night across America, all across Europe, UK, and we played nine, ten, sometimes eleven of the songs that are on the Equals set of records. You know, across the CD and the LP, and there's not many bands can do that and still get to that. Euphoric feeling at the end of the concert, where you feel like you've just been with your favourite band, and they've played all your favourite songs. And but eleven of them are only a year old or so to most people, and so um, I'm really proud of that that we were able to maintain these classic, highly charged, energetic alarm concerts that were full of emotion, drive, drama. But we were half the show was based on what we do today and not what we did in the past, and, and I think that's a real testament to the strength of uh, the Equals record and, and how we're set up as a band on stage, and 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 again how the the audience for the main have moved with us, moved past some of the the challenges that have been laid down, and and are enjoying the thrill of being part of the Alarm family in the modern era, which is it's incredible. There was a review from Utah that said, you know, that I think it was either that or Billboard saying about how the Alarm have made a record that most bands, uh, their longevity, it's beyond most bands. And I, I really think that, you know, most, a lot of bands, not many bands of 30 odd years standing could make a record like Equals like we have. And I think we've got to be proud of that. And it, and it's not a solo effort. It's not me. It's, you know, bringing George, it's, it's our audience creating uh, um, an environment that allows us to make those kind of records and, and to, it's a, you know it's a testament to all of us that have bought and stood with alarm records and in the concerts throughout the decades and and embraced the changes you know even if you're not in the alarm anymore you're still going to be part of it you still help build the foundations and the stepping stones and laid the pathways to the future and and um you know, we, I think we, we all should be proud of this band, The Alarm. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm proud of you. So it's, and, you know, I've, I've been doing I'm this thrilled. for a long time, and I think that this year was probably the most amazing year out of all of them. And look, we can be really proud, you know, even having Dave Sharp coming along and playing and playing the beautiful music that he makes today and standing on that stage proud of who he is in the shadow of the band he was in. It, it's you know, that takes a lot of courage and, uh, and belief to do that. And, and that is the alarm. And, and I think when the audiences in the UK have seen Dave, they, it's like, that's why I like the alarm. Because those people can move past the silliness and the, or the um, entanglements that come from being naive, taking, saying things you didn't mean to say at one time or other. But you still have the courage and the conviction that that friendship can endure. And, you know, and seeing Nigel and his band playing with us in San Francisco, it was fantastic. And Super fan Floyd Killen of the band Floyd's Ordeal, which happened to be one of the first bands that backed Micah playing alarm songs in the 90s after he went solo. Floyd saw the show in San Francisco where Nigel Twist, ex-alarm drummer from the 80s, opened for the new alarm with his band, New American Farmers, and also went on stage and played a few songs with Mike at the end of the show. Hello, Steve. Uh, this is Floyd. Uh, I know that you had uh, recently asked me to give a little bit of a rundown on 
the amazing gig that took place on Saturday night in San Francisco where Mike Peters and The Alarm played at Slim's. The opening band was uh, New American Farmers, which is made up of Nigel Twist, the great Nigel Twist uh, from The Alarm on drums. Um, As you can imagine, uh, they opened afterwards. Uh, Mike brought out Nigel, and um, they did uh, three songs together. And I'll tell you, as a huge fan, which I am, I, I consider myself one of the super fans of The Alarm, but the more I got into meeting other fans of The Alarm, I realized that I was kind of a lightweight. Um, actually, when I went over to The Gathering, I had no idea how, how many huge fans and just how many people just love that band. Anyway, um, getting back to what I was talking about, uh, you know, being such a big fan and getting the opportunity to go see them play and to see Nigel Twist get back up there on that stage with Mike was pretty incredible. And I'll tell you, I took a couple pictures, and one picture uh, specifically, as I go back and look at it and I posted it, it's Mike standing there playing the guitar, and just a little ways back you can see Nigel on the drums. And I'll tell you, it's you talk about memories come flooding back. It was so uh, surreal to see Mike standing there playing the guitar, playing as hard as he always does. I mean, the guy just put so much into every show. And he was just like, you could tell he was super energized when he was playing up there, when Nigel was playing on the drums. Um, It's kind of cool. They did, the first song they did was We Are the Light. And Mike brought uh, Twist out and they did this acoustically. And I'll tell you, man, uh, the crowd was just so um, engrossed into the entire moment. Um, Yeah, there was a little bit of ambient noise, but I mean, people were just, I think, initially just so amazed that the two were together. And again, an amazing energy as they were doing it. What kind of stood out to me on that was um, Nige up there playing and singing, but he had really good harmonies. And when they would sing it you could hear his harmony behind there and again it just it just had a great feel to it it sounded really good and uh, everyone I was around I was down on the floor about two people deep from the stage and just people were just just mesmerized and you know we were all just super stoked and high-fiving each other Here's some thoughts from Alarm fan Paul Pedersen about that very same show with Mike Peters and Nigel Twist. I've seen Mike and Twist together three times since the end of the original Alarm. The first time was at Amoeba Records in San Francisco when Dead Men Walking played a short set at the record shop. And Mike and Twist had a really long conversation, which was good to see. It was nice to see half of the alarm in the same room at the same time. The second time was last year when Twist joined the alarm on stage to play Sold Me Down the River. And then the third time was last Saturday at Slim's in San Francisco, where Twist came out on stage with Mike, just the two of them, and played We Are the Light. And then 
Twist joined the whole band as they played Sold Me Down the River. And then for the finale, Mike asked for everybody to come out on stage. So the opening group, New American Farmers and the Alarm, played Knocking Out Heaven Good fantastic. Eddie's playing gigs at the moment and, he, you know, he had his band as well and, you know, he's doing great and, you know, he's, we, we tweet about his shows and, and how he's playing and, and he's stepping up there with his acoustic guitar and then on the other hand, you got Smiley out there playing his shows, making his sixth solo album, you, you know, and, and the guys who've been in the arm, like Steve Grant, you're playing, you know, they're the cornerstones of bands like Stiff Little Fingers now and Craig's out there with the mission and Spear of Destiny and we can be, you know, we've had some amazing people come along and Billy Duffy's playing on Equals and, and he's in the cult and, and they're still going strong. I think it's, uh, it's in, we've got so much to celebrate it's uh, and, and be proud of. I can't wait for 2019. Yeah, it felt like this tour, just like you were saying, this tour this year felt more successful than anything I can remember. Yeah, it was definitely, all the numbers were up everywhere. We were playing bigger rooms and, uh, and uh, but I think, you know, we because I think, um, one thing I feel like when, when I now, because I've discovered this way of playing across the whole front line using the three microphones, it, 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 even if we're playing a smaller room than, than the band have aspired to at certain points in their history, it still feels like a big show. It's like an arena show in a club or a theatre or a dance hall. And uh, I, I just feel like I can make a real strong connection in the venues because I've got a lot of stage to play with and uh, and we're fueled with some great songs from the new album that have freshened up the whole concert experience so that songs like Strength can still sound as powerful as they ever were and uh, we sort of sharpened up some of the old songs by not stretching them out too long and having all the big sing-alongers in them and or little jam sessions in the middle of them. <laughs> you know, something like Strength, we go straight to the chorus after the first verse, which we never ever did in the 80s it always had two verses right up to this current 2018 it would always have two verses before the chorus and this time so to make space for equals but not lose the content of some of the songs that people expect to hear when they come through the door to an alarm concert we've tightened them up absolute reality is another one we go straight to the chorus without doing two verses and we kind of call them impact versions of alarm songs and and i don't i think everyone's enjoyed the freshness that we brought to the old songs alongside what the new songs have done to um, reaffirm the lifeblood of the band well i know that obviously the three microphones you like capture the entire stage when you're doing that and i know that there were people that were a little skeptical before they went to go see the shows like i don't really know how this is going to be but they all came see, back people people have always been skeptical of course <laughs> coming to their second alarm gig because it's always so good the first time you see the band you know that first experience is it's been life-changing for people so when you come a second or a third time there's always that trepidation that's not gonna live up to the expectation so i've had to live with that my whole musical life <laughs> the impact of the the first gigs that and that first impression that i've been able to make and i'm glad you like that i think it's great 
that people come in with it. Oh, am I going to like this or not? Because that means we can actually go in and blow them all away. Well, and you and, did. Uh, you did. Yeah, I think because did. because then the response afterwards was, "What was I thinking?" Right. This was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I, look, I, I've had lots of emails with people who've ri- written to me along those lines saying, "Wow, Mike, I wasn't expecting what I felt last night." And uh, and I, I also think there's an element that that comes from fans who've been with this a long time I get that and um, and I, I think now we're some of us aren't as young as we were and, and, and I think we're still a very powerful and relevant band for people of a certain age people that come from that were born around the same time I was I, I'm proud of who we are today I think we are very relevant we're not a shadow of what the alarm is we're not a, an imitation of a band or, or um, um, a joke you know, or, or, or a sideshow or, or, or a tribute. We're just not, a nostalgia not, act. We're none either. of that. You know. No, we're, no, we're none of that. We're a very relevant band who are as alive to our original audience as we are to new fans walking in through the door. And I think that's down to the fact that we can play brand new songs and we can also still deliver what what is special about the band right back to its foundation era. And I'm really proud of that. And uh, and I think we can all be proud of that as a community because I think we, we allow and, and encourage people to come in. And, and, and I, I think all of us as long-standing Alarm fans, because I still am a fan of the band, dedicated to the history and understanding of the group, is uh, I... I it, I love it when somebody new comes along and, and discovers what we've been going on about for years and years and years. Yeah, it's I not a it's protective brilliant. thing, right? We're not like, yo, you, you know, you haven't been around, so you can't enjoy it. It's not like that at all. No, I, I think we, 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 we're all enjoying that fact, you know, seeing these new people who are coming in because they've discovered the alarm on Spotify or through the 13 Reasons Why exposure or... or you know, the, 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 some of the music we're, uh, that we're known for is, appears new to some people because they're hearing it for the first time in these new television shows who are having a, a, for some reason, there seems to be a trend to set them in the 80s and have an 80s era soundtrack. So there's uh, alarm music going to pop up in Narcos coming up. There's, oh, really? Yeah, there's talk of it. Uh, we've been approached about having something in Stranger Things and, all kinds oh, that's of uh, great. Yeah, no, and that that just helps to grow our audience all the time. It's yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I noticed at the shows we went to, there were there were young kids there, but they weren't they weren't with their parents. Yeah, we what we notice is that when when somebody discovers the alarm through the, this other exposure, be it on you know Sirius XM talking to Melissa Etheridge or. Sirius XM talking to Chad Smith and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Their audiences have become intrigued because of these interviews that, that I've done with those artists and, and they've played the Alarms music in their shows. And that they go, initially, they'll go to Spotify or Deezer or, or Tidal or somewhere to, to hear the Alarms music. And, and yeah, they'll click on the most popular songs and there they are, The Stand and 68 Guns and Rain in the Summertime. But when they scroll down, the first thing they get to is equals. And that is what they see as being epicenter of the alarms world. And that's what drags them to the concerts. And then when they scroll further down, they discover the history of the band. Because it's not our original records and our oldest records that are at the top of the tree in, in those kind of situations. So anyone who discovers the alarm 
from an outside source or through the radio or the TV, when they come to discover our music, it's the new songs and the new sound of the band that hits them first. And that's what brings them to the gigs. And and then they see the rituals that are built up over the years, the card throwing, the singing along in Blaze of Glory, the 68 Guns and the stand. That Then they go away and bring a legion of friends with them to come to the next gig. And that's what's been happening since uh, last the summer before last. What's interesting to me about that is that your music has an appeal that is ageless, and but it's also right now review proof. Right in the eighties, there were <laughs> there were terrible. You know, the reviews were bad, but not for a good reason. Right? No, I, kids well, I, now again, don't I, care. I, I did, they don't read yeah, reviews. I, I I really do think that that the reviews we got in the eighties and, and the positioning of and the perception of the band was based on the fact that we we were trying to come across as a credible band, which we were, but our medium, our only outlet was really on pop TV. We were on top of the pop Saturday Superstore. <laughs> we were on American Bandstand. And that they were places where you never saw REM on those kind of shows. You didn't see the clash on those shows. And, and, and that is where our... I wouldn't say problem, but where the the uh, the conflict lay for somebody who was trying to square up whether they liked the alarm or not. And, and I um, don't mean a musical fan necessarily, but certainly a reviewer of music, a critique of me, person who critiques music would. That, a journalist who needs to make a name for themselves, for example. Absolutely, and we were very much an easy target for that. You know, we we didn't make life easy for us uh, in in. By, by some of the choices we made in the way we presented ourselves on TV and uh, you know and, and in the media and and a lot of that was down that we couldn't afford to not be on TV you know we, we needed to get across the woods we went on a major record label who could you know, buy the radio stations for us through the payola and all that kind of stuff and create an audience in that sense we had to do things the hard way and battle away to get across. So we had to um, go on pop TV. That was our way of getting to, through to an audience. Uh, but it, it didn't always help us. And I, I think it didn't, it didn't the importance in some of our music and, and some of the commitment that we expressed through our lyrics got just got lost in the way that we were perceived. And, uh, and I think it's only now that we've been able to sort of say, actually, we were a much cooler band than you ever realized. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that some of that honesty got lost by maybe that exposure made some people think that it wasn't real, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think they thought there was something fake about it somewhere along the line or ha however that perception was was created, but it was it was very much there. You know, it, it, it was... We, we just became a, an easy target. We, 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 we didn't live in London like the other bands hang out with them, the journalists. We didn't. We went in New York in, in the right places, hanging out with the guys from Rolling Stone and what have you. You know, you, you could buy the alarm picture on a cereal packet in a playing card. That was as cool as it got for us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, and that, but that you know that the other bands didn't get to that sort of pop thing. And a lot of that came with just the hair, the way we looked, the way we 
were photographed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It didn't always help the credentials of of the alarm. But I think over the years, we've been able to peel that back. And you know, through the the work and the commitment that all of us, all the volunteers, all the fans have done through Love Hope Strength, that has helped. You know, that that's become a big organisation and saved a lot of lives and, and made a big difference out there in the world. And and I think um, a lot of music critics think, well, 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 I didn't, wouldn't have expected a band and a, a, like The Alarm with an audience like The Alarm have. You know, they, they used to call our audience, you know, football fans, terrorist type people who only thought about sport and working class things, and but which is absolute rubbish. That's you know, not we're, even we're, true. Like, how did that? No, where did that come from? Come anywhere near it. You know, but that was, <laughs> that was the perception. You know, when, when I wore my Man United shirt and Eddie wore a Wales shirt on the the cover of the Strength album, we were vilified for that in 1985. And then 10 years later, along come Oasis and Blur with football shirts on and, and the sound of the terraces is cool. And it wasn't for us. And that's just the way times moved. And unfortunately, we, we got the rough end of that stick. But uh, I think all the work we've done has just peeled that back and, and allowed people to see the true heart of the band, which, which is very real, very credible very honest, very you know, up, upstanding and trying to do the right thing all the time by other people. And uh, and I, I think we're bearing fruit. You know, the, the commitment that we've given to the band, its music, its message has never wavered. And that, I think, is um, something we can all be very proud of as an alarm community, uh, that we're, we're really experiencing a, rena- a renaissance like we've never really had before. Well, I think you've, you know, I was, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Queen only because I, I see a parallel there. I know they were always a, a huge band, but they never got a lot of critical respect. That's true. But kids listen today and they just like the songs. They don't care that no, no one liked Bohemian Rhapsody or anything when it came. Like nobody, they, they don't give a crap. They listen and, they, and they're like, wow, this is really good music. I I like this. There is no that critical filter sort of gone now, and I think in a similar way, you receive a little bit of that. It, I agree. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, you know that that when 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 in the '80s, magazines like The Enemy, Melody Maker, Sounds, Rolling Stone, Cream, all, all those were so powerful, and they had such a stranglehold on what people wanted to listen to or thought they should listen. And if you fell foul of that, that was, it was game over. But there's not many bands who have the strength, the conviction, the courage, the, the bloody-mindedness, the, the will to survive that the alarm has had. And, 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 and you know, I've seen a lot of my contemporaries um, crushed under the weight of that, of the negativity, you know, when they've tried to come back again after or repatch the band it's oh you're just cashing in you're just doing this you know you, you just it, it was terrible what people would would say in the music press they were allowed to get away with it's, you know it was almost racist in some ways <laughs> and uh, you know and it, it was awful and um and so to be free of that where people are can make up their own minds now uh is and that's through social media and and now you're as good as you your video is as good as your song you put out on the airwaves and they have a way of finding people now if they're really good then people do tell others and and the story spreads and i can see it in my own kids they love queen you know they they've seen the film 
just like a lot of people see man in the camo jacket and been turned on yeah. to the alarm through that film and and they see the the certain parallels and they just love the music for what it is and they don't think of it as old music they just think music is is so vast that it's all there for, to enjoy yeah it's all uh, there in like the same time frame which is really interesting yeah you know when when i first bought my first records rock and roll you know 1972 rock and roll was a, a decade old pretty much you know so you could easily get to grips with the history but now it's it's there's so many there's been a billion bands since since sweet came along in 1972 <laughs> and i bought their first single and it's very hard to grasp Wait, what was it what, what was that what fox on the run um, no, it was pop. It was nothing as good as that. It was Papa Joe by the Sweet. Okay, that was my first seven-inch single I bought with my own money. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. We'll let it go. That's good though. <laughs> but you know, it was now my boys. They they look at at music and they just see a vast collection. They don't have a, a credibility radar. Thinking, well, should I listen to them? Are they cool or not? They just go on what they like the sound of. And funny if my older one, Dylan, who's fourteen, he likes modern sounding bands like like uh, Hollywood Undead and things like that and, and Anti-Flag. <laughs> and, and my younger one, Evan, he's 11, coming up 12, he likes the older bands. He likes the Beatles. He loves The Clash. He's fanatical on the first Clash album. I wonder where he gets that from. <laughs> but but they, they meet a lot of modern bands as well, but uh, that's where they, they, they meet with Oasis. And, and I find that they um, that, that seems to be a band that still everyone likes, whether you're old or young. And, and I, I just feel that at this point in time, there hasn't really been a great young band come along that has spoken across the generations and created a huge sound and a massive song that gets everybody adrenaline. No, there's, there's been know, a few in. bright spots, but nothing that's, no, no, no staying power. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I sometimes think, you know, I, I look to myself when I'm trying to write new songs and, looking ahead of when I pick up the guitar and I play a few chords and think, oh, has this been done before? Has, that, has anyone tried that before? Does this sound like anyone else? And you, you kind of think about maybe, you know, it's all been done somewhere on the guitar in the music world. And, and it's just, it, you know, we're just repeating ourselves ad infinitum now until till the, the echoes finally fade away. But I still think there is a way. And I just think music's in a quiet place at the moment. And sometime soon that, you know, all these uh, social media kids are going to see someone with a guitar and a raging voice and a great haircut and some clothes think, wow, that's, I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, I, mean, I just took one of my kids to the K-Rock Acoustic Christmas thing a couple days ago. And there yeah. were like eight bands there and they were all good. And they all had like one or two radio hits and the rest of their songs were just okay. And, yeah, that's and it. But none of them were going to set the world on fire like like you just described. No, I think we, we're, in a t we're waiting for that. We're all waiting for that band to come along. You know, I thought it was Coldplay at one time, but but not really. I like Coldplay. They're a great band and everything like that, but they're not essential like certain bands have come along that have. It's hard to describe what we're talking about. Yes, it's hard to describe what we're talking about, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something like the Sex Pistols had or the Beatles or the Who or, or the Stones or the Clash, you know, or the Ramones. You know, and it doesn't have to be the biggest band in the world. You know, when you when you think of the, some of the most influential in, in the Stooges and Velvet Underground, they were never known in their lifetime. 
it's only the, the world that's looked back and and maybe so maybe there is a band out there that's that's created it but we we were we're not in those thousand people that bought the record unfortunately but, <laughs> i mean yeah, I, um, I, I hope so I hope someone comes up. I, I hope there's a new. Look, I, I don't think rock and roll is dead by any shape of imagination. You know, I still, I'm still excited to make more records for the Alarm for Mike Peters going forward, and I still feel like there's hundreds of tunes left in that guitar for me. So someone else has got to feel the same way. Who's coming along and and they're 16 and they, they don't know anything about any rock and roll. Uh, I mean, I'm taking my kids to see a band called The Struts next February uh-huh. in Leeds and they're a good band they sound a bit like Queen funny enough good <laughs> well, rock and roll that, band that sort of big arena sound is I think people like that now right they don't see it it's not like the anti-punk it's no I they agree. don't see it I like think, we uh, used to see it right like you yeah. know that there was a you had to be lo-fi or in a tiny club to be legitimate I, I look when, when we last uh, not this summer just gone now but in 2017 we went on the vans walk tour and that was a big eye-opener for me i learned a lot on that tour and, and i felt there were some great bands on there when i listened to their records when i saw them live they were just choking it you know there's a lot of screaming and uh, you know really down kind of <laughs> lifted, you know and, and but some great guitar playing going on and i, I think a lot of singers need to liberate themselves from that sort of high aggression, shouting, you know, that get back to the melody and work with, alongside the guitar in a powerful way. And then you, that might go somewhere new then. I think, I just think everyone's slightly backed themselves up into a, a dead end with this lack of melody and which isn't, the music is great. There's some powerful guitar riffs, some great music, but just that, that full on singing. I think they need to just pull back from that. Somehow. Yeah, I so, think, I think you're right. But I, I agree. I don't think rock and roll is dead, but it certainly needs to be resuscitated. Well, I think again, as well, it's like what's allowing us to step forward is, is it, we're coming to the end of the radio era where Radio stations were so powerful, uh, but they demanded every band sounded the same so that they no one would tune, turn away from their radio station because a, a band came on with a male voice choir and a piano and a great lyric, <laughs> you know, but there was still a rock band that you had to sound like, you know, everyone had to sound like Eddie Vedder or, or, or Kurt Cobain for a while. Oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, there's and definitely... manifestations of that to this day. But now I think with internet radio, with digital radio, uh, there's variety now. And I still think what made the alarm powerful in the 80s was when I talk about being on the TV shows in the 80s, we stood out because we could be on against, you know, some pop band from, you know, like Jive Bunny or something or something terrible, you know, but they were on the same show. But with our acoustic guitars and the power we had in the band, we stood out. And But you don't see that now because disco bands are on disco radio stations and disco television shows and rock bands are on rock band shows and rock band radio and TV and you don't see that eclectic mix that those great shows like American Bandstand used to have or Top of the Pops That's true. that everyone's tuned into so um, you know and, and there's not many radio stations that, that are eclectic to listen to they all stick to a, a very formatted one sound type of playlist and, and that's choking bands because bands want to aspire to get on the radio so they, they all think they have to sound like that and and i think sometimes it's we need a young artist going to say f to all that and do it their own way and see where they get to yeah it does feel like radio is becoming irrelevant and i mean kids don't even care anymore they just no I, I, Spotify. I mean, you know what i still i still think people like you know when when 
war breaks out, you don't really hear any bands saying anything. You know, Neil Young still comes up and makes his statement and, you know, the Alarm do or, 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 or the, some of the older bands, you know, Coldplay step up, you know, to, to do something about, um, you know, global citizenship and things like that. But you don't really see those younger bands. They're not energized by that message thing. That, well, that we, I mean, we Mike, you, you did a little bit of that on your tour but what i missed was like when i saw you two this year it seemed like they had disappeared from that as well and i think a lot of people don't know what to say right now about things yeah well it's so there's so many topics to be emotional about and, and to be drawn to isn't there so everyone's message is slightly blunted yeah you know, it's slightly blunted because you don't know it's hard to understand what the impact is going to be exactly yeah. i don't fault people for that right now i think things will come clear in the next couple of years about how to approach those topics but it is i, I, I would even for you i don't envy you on stage singing neutral oh. which i which by the way was the most amazing perform single performance i've seen in a long time was <laughs> your performance of neutral at the rocks <laughs> Jeff, you've got your radio voice on. Oh, all right, Steve. What do we just do? We uh, we just saw the alarm at the Roxy Theater. What is the date today? Is it it's October twenty fifth? Twenty fifth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we just finished. It was this show started at seven forty five and then ended at about nine twenty. It was an early show and it was pretty pretty packed for for. Yeah, it started out not packed. I was a little worried, well, but I think it's because people didn't realize. It started at 7.45. Right. That lot, some people got there halfway through. Because yeah, which sucks. But it was this early show, but it was a great show, and they added, you could tell they've been rehearsing the songs in a new way. Yeah. New stuff <laughs> in these I, songs. I thought that, um, now I'll be honest with you, uh, Neutral's not one of my favorite songs. Um, however, live, it was amazing. They came out kicking <laughs> its ass. ass. And I, now, now I'm like... 
now I kind of get it. Yeah. Um, well, James it. comes out doing a like a solo at the beginning, which is pretty good. It or not solo, but I but neutral. I mean, Mike's really kicking that one. And, and then and then uh, 13, 13 dead thirteen reindeer. dead reindeer two. That, that yeah. was also yeah like just awesome. And you know, we got to go to today was one of the rare times we got to go up front. Yes. Um, and it was it was super fun. Yeah, to be up front. Yeah, it's super fun to be up front. <laughs> so Mike, the whole band looked good. Mike has some great new um, patches on his jacket. Everyone care about that? <laughs> that and um and he's got he's got a like there was a for the first show live show with the band a long time. There was a huge amount of enthusiasm from him. Yeah, it was it, it was, was like this is awesome. We're yeah, back in Hollywood. It was went, great. Yeah, you know a, I know that um apparently CNN was what interviewed them and is, was going to record some of the show. I'm, I'm sure it'll end up like little bits, but uh, you know, it, it's yeah. funny though that in our current political climate, um, a lot of those alarm songs take on new meanings. They do take on a new meaning, um, don't they? Especially the ones about peace, and yes. uh, and you know things like "We Are the Light" and mar- "Marching On," even although "Marching On" can be construed multiple ways. Um, one of the first "We Are the Light," and I, <laughs> yeah, well, one of the first "We Are the Light" performances in a long time. I think they did it the last time. Mike's pulled that one out. It keeps on pulling that one out because it's yeah. a, it's one of the one of the unsung songs off Declaration I, that we I, used to love. But I it, used to. I was thinking about that about We Are the Light and re- remembering like that was probably my favorite song for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard, you know, when I was back in my wee teens at fourteen, you know that that type of song really got me because it wasn't like a it wasn't some like slow like love song. It was like a like a, a really affecting song about that like meant well not that love songs don't mean anything but like but it was it was about like like bigger ideas right and and i I forget about that you know i forget how much i enjoyed that song i know that whole portion we're gonna cut out so why (laughs) because it sounded stupid but make it sound not stupid I was like, no, well, I, that that song really speaks to me because I, I, you know, I, and I wrote it for a reason. It's just that, you know, and I, I do feel that we need to be um, able to change our minds now, you know, in, in society, politically, emotionally, who we, are, who, how we're defined. I think, you know, there's so much information coming to us all now, and sometimes we don't get it early. Sometimes we get that information late, and it challenges the way we. We've set ourselves up, and I think it, we have to be neutral. I, d- I don't want to be one of those people that, oh, I, I know who he is. I know which way he votes. I know exactly what which way he's going to go. I can put a tick against him. I don't have to speak to him because I've got him. Right. And I, I think we have to make our politicians work for every single vote, and they have to treat us all as neutrals and then and then try to win us over. And I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward in, in some ways. Yeah, and, and so that they, they can't think, oh, I've got this, this great swathe of the political vote. I, they're on my side. The, the politicians of the future are going, to, are going to speak to us all, not just the unconverted, but I think they need to preach to the converted as well. <laughs> and, and so we don't get left out. you know. And the only way to have a voice in that way is say, we're actually neutral. You have to come over to, you speak to all of us, not just the ones you want to win. I know there's some people wonder what that song is about. I think that's a really good explanation of where you, where you're standing. Yeah. It's not, it's not neutral as in, I, I don't vote. Or, or I you don't, don't care, right? Uh, you know, I am neutral until, 
then I make my decision. But you, it, you, know, you I'm, win me I'm over. I'm not afraid to change my mind, and I don't think people should be afraid to change their minds and 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 go from left to right in search of the best ideas. You know, you know, just because somebody's been elected one year doesn't mean they say they're going to have the right way forward the next year. And I think we just have to, you know, be able to look right across society for our future leaders. So there, there was some talk of an eye of the hurricane reimagining yeah. this year. Did, yeah, did but you ever look, get I, to any of that? I did. <laughs> I have. I am. <laughs> I, I am in the throes of all that. Yeah, that that's something I'm very much looking forward to from the summer onwards. You know, when we get to the Cardiff events, the millennium, the into the uh, Cardiff University is the midsummer gathering, June the 29th. You know, that's the anniversary, 30 years then since um, we first recorded in New South Wales. Right. I'm looking forward to, to using that as the stepping stone into um, the hurricane of change. <laughs> I, you know, I've always saw those as a trilogy of a, a bit like, like a, a precursor of Blood Red Viral Black in a way. A lot of the songs jump across the line. Some some of the, you know, New South Wales was first recorded in the Eye of the Hurricane sessions but didn't see the light of day until the Change album, even though we played it live. And there's other songs in that category. And then it spanned across a live album which had some of the songs mixed, the newer songs with our historical songs. So, um... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to, I'm really looking into it all at the moment. I'm sort of researching the history, finding the, the those lyrics that, that didn't go all the way, that now with the benefit of hindsight, I can see they, they were possibly important to um, tie the story up together. And so, yeah, there will, there will be um, a 30th anniversary reimagining <laughs> of, of, of that time period. And that I'm really awesome. excited by it. That so, sounds uh, great. So I noticed that next year on Record Store Day, it looks like Strength is going to be re-released. And I think in all of these podcasts, we've, we haven't really talked about Strength at all. Um, you know, we've, we talked about, I think we talked about Raw in the first one and I had Hurricane and um, Change. Oh, Change we talked about in um, our other podcast, Into the Vertical Blank, which we probably should run that podcast on Feed this podcast. When yeah. we need to get some content. Actually, we could just pull that part out. What part? The part about the alarm. I guess the whole thing is about the alarm. No, the whole thing's about that. We just do the yeah. whole thing. But anyway, um, you know, because Mike's got an interview bit in there. The whole thing's about the alarm. Um, Jeff and I did it on our, on our other podcast, which is called Into the Vertical Blank, which is a podcast about um, growing up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, we did a story that was a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It was called did Atari ruin our favorite rock and roll band? And it's basically about the alarm starting to use sequencers on Eye of the Hurricane. And they started using them on an Atari SD computer, which doesn't mean anything to anyone except for us. Um, but the, the point was kind of a, it was kind of a, an excuse to talk about the alarm. Right, on our other podcast. And, um, and, and I think we, you know, we did it. We, we did it. <coughs> um, and we actually got a few people uh, that, that aren't alarm fans actually... Um, texted and 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 tweeted to us about how they were going to check out the band and they liked them from the stuff we played. So you know it's good to kind of kind of filter our you know love of the alarm other places. But so strength. So they're going to Mike's going to re-release strength. And so there's my first question for you. 
Jeff. Okay. So do you yes, think strength re release? Well, so what street is this? Uh, this is Pico. No, we want to make a make a left. Okay. Um, do you think the strength re release will have a black and white cover? You know how the Declaration had a, a, eponymous and Declaration had black and white covers. New. Oh, new I'm sure it'll have. Really a, I'm cool. sure it'll have a different cover. But do you think it'll be black and white? Or do you think because because black and white seems to fit Declaration and eponymous, but strength. Epo- yeah, eponymous. It's right. not e- I must said eponymous again. Right. <laughs> That's a girl from eponymous. Yes. Um. Yeah, eponymous. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there'll be a little red in there. I think so. So I mean, strength to me is the red record. Um. Eye of the Hurricane is blue, Change is white, and Raw is brown, just because of the covers. But Also um, in thought. In thought, yeah. But I, I would I would hope, I would think, how do you do, like, I hope it's black and white with a red poppy for, for you know, Absolute Reality. I say Absolute Reality. Did Absolute Reality show up on the Declaration record? Did that, the Declaration record that came out, the, the four? Yes, the because four? They, they had to stay at the single version of the, so when Declaration came out, the extra extra tracks, they had the single version of Absolute Reality. A little more, it was a little more acoustic. First of all, I hope it's, I hope it's like black and white or, or, or kind of that gray and white that Strength had with a red poppy. Um, or black and white with a red poppy, I hope. There's going to be another Record Store um, Day performance, I think? I, I'm going to think that the, fingerprints that maybe? this Record Store Day thing this is, is going to happen again. Um, yeah, and I think that it'll be a strength performance. And maybe not at Fingerprints, maybe someplace else. Fingerprints um, was cool, though. Fingerprints is, is, but it's, is a cool place. Yeah, Fingerprints. Would you uh, re-release a strength, or would you rather a new record come out? Both. I mean, I I, 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 I thought the re-releases they did were really good. Yeah, the re-releases for, for are great for Eponema, Eponemus, and um, re-releases are great. Um, but I also want a new new set of songs. I always want new new music. I have strength in a few different ways, and um, I do. It was my favorite record for a long time. Uh, my favorite alarm record for a long it's time. It's You know, I I go back and forth about my favorite alarm record. Um, you know, Strength does have a song on it that um, uh, that I think never got it. Sometimes I think never got it to do, and I think it's my favorite song. And then sometimes I'm like, no, it's not my favorite song anymore, uh, which is only the Thunder. Yeah. And sometimes I, I go, wow, this they really missed like not making this a single. And then I listen to it again. I'm like, no, they didn't miss not making a single. It's fine. It's really a, an acquired taste. It's and a- then I'll listen to it again. I'm like, no, wait, this is this is the best song that I've ever done. So, um, <laughs> there's a few songs that like sometimes I'll get in like a D side mood. I'm like, wow, D side is the best song ever made. And then and then that waves. I'm like, that's pretty good. Pretty good <laughs> song. I'm glad I uh, like that song. Um, it goes. I think that goes with the territory. Uh, I remember one funny thing. Well, funny to me is when we first saw the alarm in 1985, and I'd never seen an actual rock and roll show before. November of 85. Yes, November, like 22nd, I think. Uh, could have been 23rd, could have been 24th, one of those days, at, at um, Cal State Fullerton in California. We, um, we, you know, we we went there and they um, they played um, Father the Son, and then later they played was it Absolute Reality. For some reason, it was like it was like in the encore or something. They played Absolute Reality, and since I'd never been to a concert before, I thought that they were replaying Father the Son a second second time. And I was like, oh, that's what an encore is about. They come out and play a song twice. Like they play <laughs> another song that they played again, and I was just totally wrong. Like it was it was just I think the beginning of 
kind of sounds the same. Kind of sounded maybe. the same to me or something, and I, I hadn't really got it. Um, but yeah, I had, it, it, that, that was my my first experience of concert. Was thinking that this an oh, encore right meant lane, yeah, oh. an encore meant that they would come out and play oh, the same same song, song over again. Yeah, song well, some bands did have to do that. I think well, I they had. Anyway, oh, that's a good that's a good anecdote, Steve. I like that. Um, I don't remember thinking that, but I also yeah, didn't think that's anything. Only, only in my mind would I think. But I also like wasn't that. thinking that deep at the time either. I know you were thinking like, why did Carol spike up her hair like this, and how can we get home as fast as possible? Because that first show we went to, which was on the strength tour, um, our sister took us, who was cool. Our sister Carol, who's you know took us all over the place and all sorts of great stuff with us when we were kids. Um, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but she told us um, going to this alarm show because she had just seen them at the at the Palladium the night before in Hollywood, and everyone had you know there was it was still it was a punk rock somewhat show. the punk rock days or the it was new wave or the ending of the punk rock days. There were lots of people with spiked hair, Liberty spikes, or just spiked up alarm hair. Lots of alarm heads. You know, people that that had become Alarm fans and would probably soon become Smiths fans or whatever, um, and and lots of people with spiked up hair and and and, and boots and and um, you know leather studs and stuff like that. And um, um, so she said, "Yeah, no. Uh, before we go, uh, I need to do your hair." You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And so she had she spiked up her hair really high, and she also dressed us like I was. I didn't have anything to wear, so she made me wear um, a black sweatshirt. But she gave you her her, um, her jeans, jacket. jeans jacket, so yeah, you kind of looked the, like like you almost looked the part, and I looked like a guy who had like belonged to the gym that they were playing. You know, like a beat. She made you look like a beat poet <laughs> with 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 also. So anyway, we go to her friend's house. And I remember with, with my sister's friend, we talked about Depeche Mode. And I remember telling her friend what... Um, Which we, friend? I don't remember what friend it was, but we were talking about what the song, um, the B-side... There was a, some B-side that we were talking about, what it was, what the what the meaning was. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we get to Cal State Fullerton, and no one has a hair spike done. This is, this is Orange County. This is Orange County. Super conservative, and it's just Jeff and I. And we're, we, I guess we're like, okay, well, since we, we have our hair, like, spiked up, um, maybe we'll hang out with our sister. Nope. Sister took off the minute she got there we to hung go, the like, bleachers. figure out how she could get backstage. And so we were, like, alone <laughs> with the frat guys and us at, like, 15 with our hair spiked up, like, just, like, cowering on the side. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, like, all the football players from the school and us. It was like, oh. Um, okay. But it was awesome, and I, I also remember like that was. Um, I'm going to tell another story. Tell another story. So I, I remember um, um, we at the time, you know, we were sophomores in high school, and we were dating freshman girls, and we had to hide that we liked the alarm. Well, because they were all into because because they were all into what like R and B. Well, or or like or like dead or alive. Um, Right. Bands like that are R&B. So, like, no one really understood. I remember one girl was really into rap. And the only, only rap song I'd ever heard was one a song that was on um, Dr. Demento. And it was a pretend rap song by Ronald Reagan uh, to, um, yes, that to was try right. to 
to uh, Rapid Ronnie's campaign yeah. message to minority, to minority voters. voters. Right. And, and that was the only rap song I'd ever heard, so I played it for her, which probably was a mistake. But, <laughs> but I remember going to our house, and, and, and we had, you know, I remember you had a girlfriend who really liked Strength, the song Strength. I remember that. Um, I don't even remember a girlfriend back then. Steve, I remember. So. I remember. I don't remember names, but like, I remember that she liked Strength, and that was like a that was like a badge of honor because I, I didn't know anyone who could like the alarm. But I remember on the phone describing, I'm you know like like we were talking about music with this you know girl I dated with a freshman girl grade or something, <laughs> and I'm describing the poster of the alarm on my wall. I remember describing what they look like and this big long pause, and then she says, "Are they a heavy metal band?" And I'm like, "Oh no. no, like this is not gonna work." This is gonna work. Yeah. You know, then I. I realized, like after that, that that was not like this. This, this, this attempt. The eighties is too. Um, there was too much striation between yeah. things, right? You either were like, there was no mixing of genres. You no, were, yeah, you were. <laughs> you know, not like is that a heavy metal band? It's like, no, that's pretty. It was, no, they're not a heavy metal band. But it's hard to describe. I mean, how in nineteen eighty five do you, you describe the, the alarm? alarm? They're not a heavy metal band. Right? I mean, they they're a rock and they're an alternative rock and roll band. So it's about, a, you know, a lot to come in 2019. I mean, you've got. Are we allowed to talk about the strength reissue at all? Is that is that coming? Absolutely. Yeah, that that's that's coming down the line. That the the um, it's uh, it'll be um, detailed in full at, at the gathering in January. Uh, but but the the the, um, the the process is is underway of remastering all the records. There's um, a lot of material that some of it had been bootlegged uh, that that people will be able to hear officially and in, in the in the in true hi-fi quality. Oh, great! Through, through the reissuing process, um, so there's some some really nice surprises in there. Th- certain things which um, I find amazing that the single version of Strength was never represented on official CD. Really, you know the. Yeah, the, the, the organ start of, of Strength was on CDs and is part of the history of the band. But the uh, the single, as far as I'm aware, unless it was used on uh, the best of Mike Peters and the Alarm off the top of my head, uh, I don't think it was, was ever really represented on a CD. And um, same with the, the, the Spirit of 76 single version. Never appeared on CD, ever. So, uh, you know, there's a few little things like that. That, uh, when you hear them, you think, "Wow, it's actually quite—it's quite different to the uh, to the actual." And, way and some of that is probably that. stuck in people's subconscious too. Those versions. That's um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Because some people that would have been their first ever alarm single, right? And so they're like, "I've never heard that again." And then all of a sudden they hear it and they go, <laughs> "Wow, I, that's what I heard the first time." Yeah, and, and obviously for, for me, um, when, when when we were when those. Because the tour was straight upon us as soon as we finished the album, we were out on tour. The the single edits were created by Steve Tannett, the A and R man, and we never heard them till. I always remember going on top of the pops to mime to Spirit of '76, thinking, "I don't even know how it goes." <laughs> <laughs> After the second chorus, I wasn't quite sure what was coming up, and so so we we, we learned it on the TV show almost. So it's you know there's and there's some great stories from that time. And it obviously. 
the legacy of strength is love, hope, strength. So it, it, yes. it, it's it's uh, it's given birth to modern times. So that that's a record I'm looking forward to sharing with everybody and and, and people. I mean, the song "Strength" is also in Thirteen Reasons Why Part Two. Right? Yeah, that's right. It's it the was, final yeah. song, I believe, in the entire show. Yeah, the the final, the last piece of music in in the second series finale. Yeah, so yeah, it's quite an honour to be. You know, they seem they they. I think they're going for a third series, so uh, I think they'll continue their alarm. Uh, I hope so. Um, I mean, I've <laughs> always thought that alarm songs make amazing soundtrack songs, and I don't understand why they're not used. A lot of that, Steve, is down to the fact that that we our publisher in the you know was. When we signed our original record deal, it, it, it tied up our publishing. We're all with one man, with Miles Copeland. And uh, about five or six years ago, we were able to wrest the catalogue away. He, he actually moved it on to another publisher that we were all very happy about. With all, all, all the original band members, you know, collaborated to make the move happen. Uh, it benefited everybody. And we knew it would benefit everybody in the long run, which it is doing with all these new and uh, with these new uh, syncs, as they call them, synchronizations. So um, uh, Bicycle Music, who published the Alarms original era songs and all my modern era songs, by the way, I was really impressed with what they did with the original era, that they they look after my all my songs pretty much um, that I retained the ownership of. And uh, and they do a great job and they, they work as at radio and TV and film and uh, and they're always highlighting certain songs from our catalogue and putting us forward for, for commissions, for advertisements and things like yeah. that. We've never ever had that before. And, and it's, a, it's a great way to connect with an existing audience and a brand new audience at the same time. And it's, it's very representative of the modern world we live in now where, you know, music has been devalued, but it's more uh, predominant in our society than it ever has been. But it's just not just on the radio. It's, it, we hear it on our phones. We hear it in, as we walk through airports. We hear it on planes. We hear it on trains. We hear music at the football stadiums. We hear it everywhere. It's omnipresent now. So, uh, and, and devalued. You know, yes, it's all over the place. But imagine discovering a treasure trove of songs that people have never heard, have not never heard before, but were never capitalized on in the 80s that have that sound that people are looking for. Well, that's, that's, that's what's happening. Even, even things like, you know, um, when a big chain of stores like Marks and Spencer's put a playlist together, they, they are promoted by the publishers that are trying to get their songs because they pay their PRS license and money comes back to the songwriters and all that kind of thing. So that's at the level that bicycle music represent the alarm that they're trying to get on new songs or old songs, any of our catalogue of songs in the public domain. So they, they, they champion them with big chains because they know they'll get played in their stores around the world. And, and if they can get rain in the summertime in the Marks and Spencer's playlist, then people walk around, hear it, and, oh, Shazam, who's that? <laughs> they find the alarm. That's how we can connect musically with our audiences in this day and age. And I, I really welcome it. I think it's, a, you know, it's much better than having to submit a press release to the NME and get a cynical writer cheering it all up into something horrible on the news pages that you dread reading about now. As we learnt when we set up the MPO and, and the phone lines and the 21st century record label in 91, 92, 
that we can now, we, we, we learned how to speak direct to our audience a long time ago and the music industry is trying to catch up now. They are trying but to catch up, aren't they? <laughs> but and they work in partnership with us now and, and we can give them ideas and they share their ideas with us, uh, you know, which is fantastic. Any last words about the year for Christmas for people before we go? Well, look, it's, you know, this time of year is always, um, it can be tough for people. You know, you know, we, we've had the euphoria of 76 alarm shows this year. And uh, we've had some incredible communal moments together right across the, the, the Western Hemisphere pretty much. And, uh, and so it, it's, um, it's always uh, tough to wind down sometimes and, and to, uh, but, but uh, hopefully people will be able to tune in this podcast and, and carry their memories of some great alarm shows, the great alarm year into 2019. And, and we look forward to seeing everybody, wherever our travellers take us in 2019, all, all, all the uh, cornerstone events of our year are all in place, the gatherings, and uh, we're, we're, there'll be uh, shows built around that. There's new records, there's all kinds of alarm music coming in all shapes and sizes. And, uh, and But, uh, you know, it's, it's a time to be together with our loved ones now and, and uh, celebrate entering into the new year. And I hope people can look forward into the new year with, without um, some of the, the challenges that we've had to face in our host household. You've had to face in yours, Steve. And, and, and plenty of Alarm fans face it stoically, silently, with bravery and just get on with life. And, and, uh, and, and hopefully we can bring all that to togetherness to an Alarm show and, uh, and we can look, always look forward to life. Um, you know, we're, I'm very aware, you know, Pete Shelley just passed away yeah. of the Buzzcocks, you know, and, and it's like we're, uh, you know, how long can we keep doing this? You know, I want to do it till I'm a, at least 100. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and but you know, and, but every day we, we lose somebody from our community, and, it, and and that's just the times we're living in. But one door closes, another one opens, and we have to keep moving forward, celebrating who we are, you know, not forgetting where we've come from, and uh, and we find the strength to keep moving forward. So the alarm, and we can we can still be alive for all those people who want to enjoy our music while they still have time to find it. Try to do it more than once a year. Yeah, we definitely would shout. <laughs> <Okay>, cool. <laughs> well, we got two in this year. Yeah, we did. We did. Technically, that's true. We did.